0: Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, everyone. Lord bless you. Good to see you in service this afternoon. First of all, I want to thank Bishop and Pastor Chris for allowing me this opportunity to stand before you. It's an awesome responsibility to stand before the congregation and on this platform that Bishop's ministry and his his teaching has built, and the way the Lord has used him, and so I I don't take it lightly. Uh, we'd been pastoring for a number of years, and one of the deacons came to me one Sunday and he said, Pastor John, he said, I've been here for a number of years and. And he said, in all this time, I've never heard you minister on tithing. And I said, well, Brother Meisner, the people are being very faithful with their, with their tithes. And the, I said, I think everybody in the church is being faithful. He said, but, but we really need to be reminded. And so today, I'm not going to talk on tithing. But I'm going to remind you about something else. Amen. <laughs> oh, so I, what I'm sharing with you today, I have a feeling most of you are fully aware But I really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share you uh, the words that I have here uh, put down on paper. When you awoke this morning, there were approximately 8 billion other people awakening to share the planet with you. Today, worldwide, about 236,000 babies will be born. All races, colors. Etc. The people of this earth are classified in basically two categories that define us. Well, in a lot of categories, but there's Christian, non-Christian, there's Muslim and Hindu and Buddhist and etc. So many different categories. But really, God in God's economy, there are only two. There's only two. We are either in Adam, or we are in Christ. Those are the only two classifications that really do matter. In our culture, we've elevated its own classifications. We have race, and color, and uh, sex, and rich, and poor, and educated, and uneducated. And all of these are only temporary. Yet, they've become the center of our focus. The who is who. Who has the most money? Who has the biggest house? Who has the highest degree? Who's on the most beautiful list? And and it just goes on and on. There are so many classifications. But these are all fleeting and vanity. Just ask Solomon. He'll talk to you about that. But whether you are in Adam or in Christ is eternal. So I want to look at the two different walks that define or impact on each of us as far as eternal consequences, whether you're aware of it or not. And so we're going to be looking at the nature of Adam and the nature of Jesus Christ. So what am I talking about? How did this all begin How did it happen that everyone literally gets put in the in Adam category? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of God of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, much more, Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Separation from God began right there in the garden. And sin entered into the world to affect every descendant of Adam and Eve of which we are all a part. Adam sinned. And as the father of us all, When he and Eve rejected God's way and God's plan and instead chose to believe the lie that Satan told them and submitted to him, their very nature changed. Instead of carrying the divine nature that they were created with, they chose the nature of the devil. In Psalms 51.5, David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. From the moment of conception, sin is at work. It's built into the human nature and genome, and it's passed on from father to son and mother to daughter and on down. You don't have to teach a child to lie. Anybody here who's never lied? Lying comes naturally to children. Why? Because it's part of their nature. Built into them from conception. Because of it being our nature, all of us sin. It's our nature to do sinful things. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Unless we're able to somehow transition out of that nature, we are doomed to spend eternity in a place called hell. A place that was created by God to punish the devil and those angels that followed him in their rebellion. In Adam, people sin naturally. All types of sin, such as lying, stealing, meanness, prejudice, hatred, anger, rebellion, jealousy, all sexual sin, fornication, adultery, perversion, homosexuality, greed, pride, Self-determination, I'm going to do it my way. Just doing what comes natural. That's in Adam. Some people, by using their willpower, they choose to do good. They use good judgment and, and they're careful in the way they behave. And they really try to be good. And in a sense, they are good. Yet their nature is unchanged. But thank God, thank God, thank God. In his love for mankind, God made a way to get out of that Adam nature. And it's not just an escape route. It is a complete and total transformation of our very nature. And nothing less will do. Amen. So what does this really mean? Well, here's the answer from Jesus Christ himself. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." The Greek makes it even more uh, emphatic. It's, "I am the only way, the only truth and the only life. And no one. There is no other way except through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we recognize and accept the fact that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for us was for us, and we believe that Jesus, the one who never sinned, who was born of a virgin, therefore did not have that sinful nature, He took upon Himself all of our sins. And it was put in Him, and we were put in Him as He went to the cross. We then, being in Him, in His death, in His resurrection, we are born again. As he was raised to life with new life, in Christ we are raised with new life. A new nature. Hallelujah. In him our old nature died. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God put us in Christ. And when Christ died, we died. In Christ, when he died, our old nature died. We have been crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Romans 6.6 6. Knowing this. Do you know this? That our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Having died to sin. Sin no longer has power over us. For somebody who is still in Adam, that sin nature still prevails. When they are tempted to sin, they may by willpower refuse. I'm going to do good. I'm not going to do that again. But their nature is still the same. But in a child of God whose nature has been changed, sin is no longer comfortable. It no longer is comfortable for us as a child of God to continue doing things that are contrary explicitly to the Word of God. Because our nature has been changed. Hallelujah. So God put us in Christ, and now we have God's nature in us. No longer Satan's nature. No longer devil's nature that allows us to be yielding to temptation without without recourse or, or, or caring. But that's just the way we live. But in Christ, hallelujah, our nature has been changed and now the very life of God dwells within us. God Himself, Christ in you, hope of glory. Hallelujah. So having died to sin, sin no longer has power over us. Those in Adam can't help but sin, but those in Christ now have God's nature in them and cannot comfortably choose to sin anymore. The Holy Spirit prompts every believer when temptation comes, but the difference is whether we Yield or not. Sinners sin naturally. As born again Christians, sinner, sinning is no longer our nature. In Him, we are born again. We are infused with His divine life. We have God's nature. God's nature Himself dwells within us. John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. In 2 Peter 1.4, by which having been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. When we accepted Christ and the divine nature of God came in us, we escaped. Hallelujah. We've been set free from that corruption that is in the world through the lusts of the flesh. That old Adam nature had sin's character, certain characteristics such as it being perfectly normal to sin and all its various forms. As I said earlier, sinners sin. That's their nature. And you shouldn't expect anything else from a sinner. That's what they do. But the new nature in Jesus Christ has its characteristics as well. And I believe the one characteristic that stands out above all the others is love. God is love. 1 John 4.8, sorry I didn't put it on the list. 1 John 4.8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4.16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, having the divine nature in us, The God of love dwelling in us, it has replaced that old nature of prejudice, of hatred, of pride. Of anger, of unforgiveness, of gossip, of slander, of party spirits and cliques, and etc., and etc. As a fish out of water is uncomfortable, a sinner, a saint, A child of God cannot be comfortable doing those things. In fact, when we stumble, and I say stumble because a sinful lifestyle cannot be our way of living anymore, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, in you and I. Have you ever done something that you know is wrong? And you just can't feel comfortable, you just you, he just doesn't leave you alone until you make it right, till you ask forgiveness, till you get it straightened out. I hope everybody's hand would go up on that one. That uncomfortable feeling is the Holy Spirit that is in you. It says, uh-uh, uh-uh. You need, you need not do that. You shouldn't do that. Okay? And you can be thankful for that Holy Spirit working in you. Speaking to you. Challenging you. Because He loves you. God loves you. And He knows that that going that way and continuing to do that, and it's so destructive in your life, and in your walk with Him, and your fellowship with Him, in your service in the kingdom. And so he, he makes us uncomfortable until we, we say, okay, God, with your grace and by your help, we won't do that anymore. Amen. It's no longer our nature to sin. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. Not only is it our nature, as we become a child of God and are born again, that we are infused with a love for other people, a love for God's people especially. That that love is there naturally, because it's our nature. But in addition to that, Jesus said, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another. And so we need as children of God and born-again children of God, that we put forth the effort to demonstrate that love one for another. Amen. Another characteristic of a newborn a child of God and, is that he has a deep love for God and his kingdom and for his kingdom work. Acts 11.26 And when he had found him, he's speaking of Barnabas, he brought him to Antioch, so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I was taught in Bible college that that word Christian first used in Antioch, really means little Christ. Little Christ. Can you say that? Little Christ. Say it again, please. Little Christ. The born-again people of Antioch were named little Christ. Their behavior, their conduct, their example, their love, so typified Jesus Christ that they were called by his name. As believers, we should ask ourselves, does our behavior, our example, our attitude, our talk, our dress, our social media communication, cause those we interact with to recognize that we too should be called little Christ. I'm not asking as a way of condemning you. I just want you to do a little self-examination. All of our failing efforts, because we do fail, the Lord is there to give us help. But would our behavior, our conduct, example, attitude, talk, dress, social media communication, be something that grieves the Lord? Quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> uh, first service was powerful, Pastor P. You need to get the tape or the the podcast if they have it. But powerful message, and the church was rejoicing. And I'm, but I know the Lord gave me this word for you, and so that's why I'm saying it. But how would He? How does He respond to our behavior? He bought us with his a price of his own blood. He knows we can't do it in our own strength. And he wants to help you, and he wants you to depend on him for help. John 15.5 I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me you can do nothing. And so our we need to depend on him. For help. And I mentioned one, one thing in there. And, and, and I, as I began to prepare the message, really what I heard was a word holiness. Holiness. We don't talk about holiness much anymore. But what is holy living? And, and one of the things that came to me was dress. And I, I think you're, I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but... <clears throat> The number one rule of marketing is if you've got something to sell, you put it out where people can see it. Okay? Mamas, tell your daughters. If you've got something to sell, you put it out where people can see it. Okay? We'll just let it go at that. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And, and over and over in Paul's writings, he, he, he uses those three words. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Because we have such a propensity to self-deception. We do something and we don't really feel too bad about it. And so we do it again. But don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. These things will not appear in the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he comes out with another statement. And such were some of you. Were some of you. Thank God for that power to change our nature. That such were some of you. But no longer. Hallelujah. Say no longer. No longer. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we find ourselves doing some of these things. And feel convicted. Again, it's the Holy Spirit working to guide us into right living. But finally, what really matters? What really matters? Let me say this first. That regardless of how long you live, life is short compared to eternity. Life is just a Wisp of steam that's gone. Even if you live to be 120 or if 150, if they get things going with the genes, regardless, the longest life on earth is just a wisp of steam compared to eternity. In eternity, there is no time. Time's an earth thing. In eternity, there's no beginning, no ending. It just always and forever is. That's hard for us to understand. But it just forever is. Heaven is a place of joy, of peace, of love, filled with the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Father God. We've heard many accounts of people who say they passed on or they came back to life. Or the Lord took them and showed them heaven, how beautiful. People that have gone before, they saw relatives that had passed on. And they saw the opulence and the beauty and and how perfect and how fabulous the colors and everything is in heaven. Really, it's beyond our imagination. You know, you take a look at Earth. You, you, you see planet Earth, and, and this thing is going to pass away. But God still, in His wisdom in creating planet Earth, and his, his wisdom in creating you. I was just reading this week about something that the scientists have just discovered about in our, in our genetic makeup. There's a little uh, uh, part that spins at at, at between uh, 10,000 and about, I think it was 60,000 RPMs. That's in every cell. This little thing's going round and round. And it is almost 100% efficient. Scientists can't even come close. Designers, engineers have made motors, but they won't go faster than about 10,000 RPMs and they blow apart. But that little thing inside of every cell Turns between I think it was twenty to to uh, sixty thousand RPMs a minute. Can you imagine? And that's inside of every God put that in there. Darwin Darwin said if if the complexity of man is beyond more beyond than the, than than just a the cell, he said then my whole theory falls apart. Well, it's far beyond. They found genes, and et cetera, et cetera. And now they're down into little, little tiny things in every cell that spins at 60,000 RPMs. Oh, the wisdom of our God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The beauty of earth, the beauty of the hills and the valleys and the trees and all of that, and fall's coming on, and, and the leaves are going to be beautiful once again. And there's no purpose in it. Why does one leaf turn red and another one turn yellow? Doesn't serve anything in the ground. It's just God wanting us to see His beauty, the beauty of creation. Now, if He spent that much time on this earth that's passing... What's heaven going to be like? Ah, I can feel it. (laughs) It's giving me chill bumps. What's heaven going to be like? When God puts forth his best work. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. And that's where I want to go. Amen. The smells of heaven. They talk about that. And the beauty of heaven. And, ah. and there will be tasks assigned in heaven. It won't be just standing around smelling and looking at the flowers. There's assignments to be made and things to be carried out and, and a work to be done. And there are rewards that are coming for those that have been faithful and, and, and fulfilled their assignment here on planet earth. New assignments are going to be given and rewards are going to be given. Handed out and crowns are going to be handed out. And assignments made. What all those will be, we only, heaven only knows. Amen. But we can be a part of that. Amen. <clears throat> Beyond description. Hallelujah. But for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, the way that God opened up for us to enter in, it will be entirely different. It's easy to go the way of the Adamic nature. Just do what comes naturally. But to enter the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. That doesn't sound pleasant. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's easy to go that Adamic way. But to enter the narrow gate requires submission and obedience to Jesus Christ. It requires us to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our mind and transform us in our heart and in our conduct. But doing so brings peace and joy and fulfillment and rest and daily help and guidance and blessing and protection and provision and strength, and removal of sin and guilt, and assurance and favor, and a book full of promises from a God that cannot fail because God cannot lie, and an anointing for service, and then top it all off with eternal life in heaven. Hallelujah. But choosing the broad way is the way that leads to destruction that leads to eternal hell and punishment. What's hell like? What is hell like? There are some who say they have seen that, that they've had a glimpse of it in its torments, and beyond description, the smell, the, the screams. It was a place created for the devil and for his angels that rebelled against God. When you look at the result of sin coming into the world. The death, the pain, the suffering, the wars, the famines, the murders, the injustice. All of that because of Adam and Eve's transgression. Brought on by the devil himself telling a lie. What can be severe enough to punish him for what he did? I don't think there's a torment invented that's enough for what he did. That's not showing love, is it? I don't love him either. But I'm serious. When he did that, look at what has happened. Look at the people who are suffering today will die of famine and disease and cancer and all the other stuff. And all of that is a result of that sin nature being passed on to mankind and, and all of its ramifications. All of that. What can be severe enough to punish him for what he did? That's the place hell is. God created hell to punish him for all of that. And then they had to enlarge it for those who choose to go with him. I don't want to go there. First of all, a place of destruction. I've heard people laugh, well, I'm going to hell. I'll see all my friends there. There'll be no friends in hell. There'll be no friends in hell. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, this was Jesus talking, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus was making a point. I don't think He wants us to cut off our hands because that's not where the problem is. But He's making a point. Whatever you've got to do, don't do it. Whatever is necessary to stay out of that place, don't do it. I mean, do it. If, it's, if you are tempted to do that, depend upon the Lord to help you, to guide you. If you're having an issue that leads to there, let him help you receive his way of escape. Don't go there. Choose not to. And it's your choice. God has made the provision. He's laid it out. It's there. Whosoever will may come. But it's your choice. He gave another description, and this one was not a parable. This was a true story. In this true incident, because he he mentions the name of the person, so he's not talking about Or perhaps. Jewish tradition tells us that the rich man's name was Dives. And Jesus mentioned the poor man, Lazarus. You know the story. I won't take time to read it. But they both died the same night. And Lazarus, the angels carried him to heaven. Abraham's bosom, actually. It wasn't heaven at that point. In that point in history. The rich man died and he went to hell. And he began to communicate with Abraham. He could see Abraham. He could see Lazarus. And he communicated with him. He said, oh, please, please, Abraham, send send Lazarus to come and and just bring a a drop of water to touch my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham said, sorry. Can't do that. There's a, there's, a, there's a great gulf fixed between where you are and where we are and people that are here can't go there and people that are there can't come here. And he said, well, please then, if if you can't, then send, send Lazarus to go tell my brothers. I've got five brothers and they're coming here too, but if he'll go and warn them, maybe they won't want to come here. And, and he Abraham said well, they have the prophets, and they have Moses, and if they won't listen to them, they won't listen even if somebody rises from the dead. And so the man was left to suffer his torments, and Lazarus was with Abraham, and later with Jesus. But these verses tell us some different things. First of all, it tells us hell is terrible. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is real. And it's a place where we don't want to go. And even if someone were to rise from the dead, many will not listen. Well, someone did rise from the dead. And his name is Jesus. And he invites you to come and experience eternal life with him. Will you believe him? Will you believe the words he's spoken? In John 14:6, Jesus said to him, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 3.3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. But if we're born again, then there is a change in our nature that causes us to walk differently, causes us to live differently, causes us to love one another. Causes us not to be like the Adam crowd. Do I hear an amen someplace? I have one last thing to say. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is your day. You need to make a choice now. I don't know everyone's life here today, But being born again is not just a change of the mind. It's a change of your nature. Your very nature. And if you haven't had a nature change where sin makes you uncomfortable, where doing things that you know are wrong are acceptable, if you haven't had a nature change, today is your day. The Lord is here And He wants to give you that change today. To take you out of the kingdom of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light. To take away that Adam nature that causes you to sin and give you a nature that enables you to choose not to sin. Hallelujah. If you're ready for that change, you say, Pastor John, I'm the one. Will you lift your hand and say, today is my day. I want to give my life to Christ today. I don't want to go to hell. I want to live for Christ. Is there anyone? Serious stuff. All the other categories, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, all that's going to pass away. But the decision you make, whether or not You're going to be in Adam's race or in Jesus Christ's nature. Him dwelling in you, you in Him. Will you choose Jesus today? Anyone? I'm looking. Lift your hand high. I want to see you. Don't put it off. If you've been playing with the world and you think it's going to be fun and you want to hold on to that, today is your day to make a decision. Receive Christ today. Father, I've delivered the Word that You gave me to speak to this people, this this congregation today. Lord, You know everyone that is here, where they are, what choices they've made, their conduct, their behavior. And we commit the word that you gave us to them, Lord, that you will speak for those who are hesitant, who have not yet accepted you, Holy Spirit, Be a bloodhound on their trail and do not let them escape. Draw them, follow them wherever they go and cause them to be uncomfortable in that place of sin, in that place of wrong choosing. And draw them, Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, may the words that we've spoken ring in their ears even as they sleep until they bow their head and bend their knee and say, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. I give my life to you. For those of us, Lord, who have chosen to serve you, but we become lax, and, and some of the things we've been doing have, would not be a, a pleasure to you, but it would be an embarrassment to you. We ask for your forgiveness, and we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. When we would choose to do those things once again, Holy Spirit, prompt us and then God grant us the grace to refuse to go that way and do that thing again. Whether it's prejudice or hatred or anger or our social communications, Lord, be glorified in our lives. May we be indeed full of the love of God and for one another. And may others look at us and say, ah, there's one of those little Christ's because they see our behavior, our love, our attitudes. Help us, Lord, we pray. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your enabling that that gives us the grace and the strength to do what we ought to do and to live as we ought to live, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.